At this time, any elementary kids are welcome to gather out in the foyer for the beginning of a children's uh, worship uh, hour together. And as they uh, do, let me invite all of us who remain right here to open up God's Word together to the New Testament Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark uh, chapter 10 today. Mark chapter 10, talking about uh, about leadership and kingdom leadership. And throughout the month of, of January, we've been looking at what it means to be kingdom people, to be kingdom-minded, to be part of uh, Christ's kingdom, and to uh, spend our lives in ways that make much of the king of that kingdom, much of King Jesus. And today, particularly, we're going to look at some words of, of Jesus and interaction with Jesus uh, and talk about uh, kingdom, kingdom leadership. And it's no secret that um, I, I'm proposing uh, we consider a, a leadership paradigm shift here at Meadowbrook, uh, one that sets aside and appoints a spiritually qualified men to lead the church alongside me, alongside uh, the lead pastor. We talked about that uh, some over the last hour over breakfast. I realize your, your bellies are full. I hope you'll hang with me here and not uh, doze off. But if you do, um, I'll call you out. How about that? Um, <laughs> So as we think about that, as we think about a, a leadership, potential leadership change and model and unpacking that, uh, not to replace uh, a pastor, not to replace uh, a staff, not to replace other key ministry leadership roles, uh, but to follow a pattern that we see uh, again and again in the New Testament that's presently practiced by a number of other uh, Baptist churches where a plurality of elders are appointed as the most senior leadership group. Uh, in the church. Now, we're not going to go into the particulars really on that in this setting this morning. We did that uh, in the last hour and we'll have opportunities to do so in the future. But by way of reminder, uh, there are two spiritual offices uh, for the church that are mentioned uh, in the New Testament. And so I want to briefly mention those. Uh, number one, elders or, or pastors, pastors and elders, and elders and pastors, elders or pastors are servant leaders who shepherd the church to follow Christ. So these are in, in your uh, sermon outline guide. And before we look at Scripture together, I just want to make note of, of these two spiritual offices in the church. Elders or pastors or servant leaders who shepherd uh, the church to follow Christ. Uh, this is the leadership group in the New Testament charged with leading local congregations. They're to be leaders uh, and servant leaders in the body of Christ. And then second, uh, deacons. Deacons are leading servants who support the ministries of the church. And we'll have opportunity in our service later this morning to set aside uh, three men to the, the office of deacon in the church. But deacons are, are leading servants who support the ministries of the church. What I want us to see this morning as we consider some words of Jesus is that these two church offices are not at odds with one another. They're not in conflict with each other or pulling against each other. In fact, the qualifications for elder and the qualifications for deacon are, are quite quite similar. We could look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and we would see sim- similarities, many similarities. They're similar because they're meant to serve the same head the same ruler, the same king, the same leader, and to support the same body that is Jesus Christ, the head of the church, which is his body. And Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 spells that out. 
So what I want us to do this morning is to look for a few minutes at the words of Jesus and the example of Jesus to see the kind of leadership God has established for the body of Christ. And newsflash, it's a different kind of leadership than what's most often practiced outside of the church in the world. And so let's hear what Jesus has to say about this. As you find your place in Mark chapter 10, let me invite you to join me standing, all who are able, for the reading of of God's Word. Mark chapter 10, I'll read verses 32 through 45. Mark says, they, meaning the disciples and Jesus and those who were following Jesus, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these words, your words, the words of of Christ, our Savior. Instruct us now. Your Spirit's guidance and presence to the proclamation of your word for the glory of your name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You don't have to look far and wide uh, to find corrupt leadership. We see it all over the world, even today, throughout human history. We see it in government, many places, corrupt leadership. We often see it or hear about it in businesses. We see it in business and even at times in the church. It's all over. Too much authority and too little accountability corrupts people. Yet consider the request of James and John, two of Jesus' most famous disciples. This is James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. What do they say? Jesus, give us power. Give us a high position in your kingdom. Let one of us be your right-hand man and the other be on your left. Jesus responds. He says, 
my kingdom's different than what you're used to. It's not like what you think. It's not about gaining power, fame, or status. For in my kingdom, greatness is measured by love and sacrifice. Friends, Jesus is saying kingdom leadership is servant leadership. Kingdom leadership is is servant leadership. Servant leadership's a, a thing that's been popularized and made famous over the last 50 years or so, often uh, attributed to a guy named Robert Greenleaf and uh, the publication of his in, in 1970. But as we consider the words of Jesus, no doubt servant leadership's been around a long time, modeled and practiced by none other than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, what do you, what do you make of this conversation between James and John and Jesus? I mean, parents, can you imagine one of your kids uh, walking up to you and saying, Mom, Dad, I'm going to ask you something and I want you to say yes. Just say yes. (laughs) Of course, we wouldn't, right? Because we know what follows is probably going to be out there. But these men, these are not children. These are grown men, two brothers... In Jesus' inner circle of followers, his inner circle of disciples, both of whom become prominent leaders and key figures in the spread of the gospel and the growth of the early church, holding key positions that ultimately prepare the way for, for pastors and deacons and other leaders to carry the torch of leadership in local churches. And yet on this occasion, right after Jesus predicts his imminent suffering and death for a third time, they ask Jesus to promise them prestigious positions when he takes the throne. Jesus, make us your vice president and your secretary of state. Kindly, gently, Patiently, Jesus responds. You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. That's, there's about to be one on my right and one on my left. But you, you don't want those spots. They're reserved for two criminals to be crucified next to me. Jesus says, my kingdom's not going to unfold like you want it to. I'm about to drink the cup of God's wrath for the sins of the world. Suffering and death await me in Jerusalem. And it's going to pour over me like the waters of baptism. If prestige and power is what you're after, then this isn't the way for you. Where I'm going, you can't go, nor do you really want to. The pursuit of power isn't the way of my kingdom. For my kingdom comes through sacrifice. Church, such is the leadership model of Christ's kingdom. Kingdom leadership is servant leadership. That's what Jesus says here in verse 42. He calls them together. He calls the twelve together, the disciples together. And he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles have lorded over them. Those who rule over unbelievers, the pagans, the Gentiles... They lord that leadership over them and their high officials exercise an authority over them. It's a command and control mentality. Not so with you, Jesus says. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. It's the 
couple weeks ago, our nation recognized Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Day set aside to remember that leader and uh, the effort that he made to bring uh, racial justice uh, in, in our nation's history. A man who uh, was um, asked about how he wanted to be remembered and said, I don't, I don't want to be remembered for accolades or prizes. I, I want to be remembered for being a drum major for justice. It's a paradigm shift. Jesus introduces a paradigm shift, one in which servant leaders follow the suffering servant. One in which the patience and care of shepherds is more highly valued than the business skills necessary for a Fortune 500 CEO. Peter's instructions later in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 5, his instructions to pastors or elders fit this model. Listen to what Peter says there. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You see, kingdom leadership is servant leadership. Mark makes that clear. He makes it clear here that Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission. He's going somewhere. He's headed somewhere. Jesus and his disciples, verse 32, are on their way. A key phrase in Mark's gospel. They're on their way. On their way up to Jerusalem, it says. To be Isaiah's suffering servant. To carry out God's mission. This is why Christ came. Like a running back. Like Tank Bigsby or Jameer Gibbs. Put it in... Alabama and Auburn turns, strategically powering their way to the end zone. Jesus is intentionally pressing on toward Jerusalem. It's going somewhere. But unlike the glory of a touchdown, Jesus is going to lay his life down. But knowing this, he still presses on, determined to do the Father's will. Jesus leads his disciples up the hill so that he can give his life away. The king came to give his life away. The king came to give his life away. When it comes to kingdom leadership, Jesus is our model. And Jesus' determination to give his life away reveals the depth of God's love for, for sinners. The depth of his love for, for you, for me, His love for us. Notice Jesus is, verse 32, leading the way. He's leading the way. The Savior is determined. He's in charge. He's resolute and he's ready. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. It's as if Jesus says to his disciples, guys, this is getting real. 
It's not hypothetical. This is why I came, and it's going to happen. So get on board and follow me. And as the story unfolds, it happens. It happens. The king of all kings gives his life away. Not so that a man named Jesus will go down in history books, not because some guy wanted to be remembered long past his life, but because this is what God purposed and promised long ago through his son. Like seven centuries prior, the prophet Isaiah spoke of a suffering servant coming from God, a Messiah who would willingly suffer on behalf of the people in order to fulfill God's mission to save them. No, Israel was disobedient. The scriptures say that the servant is going to obey. And out of his suffering, the servant says, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. In other words, I'm going to do what I've been called to do. I'm going to complete what I've come to accomplish. This suffering servant, who is Jesus the Messiah, says, Though I know what awaits me, the pain and the suffering, the agony, I will go. Like a stone, I am Unmoved, willing to suffer, for God is with me. Church, this is our servant king. This is our sovereign savior. This is Jesus in Mark chapter 10, determined to suffer for our salvation. This is why he came. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, he says, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Kingdom leadership is servant leadership. For the king himself came to give his life away. The greatest act and example of service in all of history. He came to lay down his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is the price paid to release a slave. And Jesus came to pay the full price to release us from the grip of sin held over us. He came to release us from the bondage of enslavement to to sin. He came to pay God the Father with His life. Received by God as a just payment for the sins of many. Meaning all who would believe. I know we're talking about kingdom leadership today, but before any of us can ever aim to be kingdom leaders, to implement the kind of God-honoring servant leadership exemplified by Jesus, we've got to know Jesus. We've got to know Him. We've got to be amazed by and enthralled with Him. We've got to bow before Him. We've got to set our gaze upon Him, to put our faith in Him and to follow after Him. Friend, He came to give His life as a ransom for many. Are you One of the many. A friend claimed the ransom Jesus paid for you. Claimed the ransom Jesus paid for you, for your life. You see, the ransom Jesus paid isn't generic. 
not universal in the sense that everybody's going to claim it, but it's particular, it's specific, paid with the guiltless life of Christ himself for specific people, for particular persons with real names of people enslaved to sin and deserving God's wrath for rebellion against him. Friends, that's us. People who are enslaved by sin. The only way out is to claim the ransom that Jesus has paid. Every single one of us, without exception, we have fallen short and disobeyed God, chosen to disobey and neglect His rightful praise. And yet, the full price has been paid to purchase our freedom, to take our sentence and to be exonerated forever. Oh, friends, that's the gospel, the good news of salvation, of forgiveness of sins, of new and eternal life by God's grace alone, undeserved, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Friends, the all-sufficient sacrifice has been paid so that all who claim the ransom by faith in the Lord Jesus are Forgiven forever. How's the hymn go? Jesus paid it all. He paid in part. He didn't pay it to help us get the final measure. No, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Church, Jesus' determination to give his life away reveals the depth of God's love for sinners. But at this point in the in the narrative, the twelve are still struggling with this. They hear what Jesus is saying, but they don't really hear what he's saying. It's going to take some time. Even so, they'll learn, for they know they've been called to follow Jesus. Kingdom leaders follow Jesus. Kingdom leaders follow Jesus. Jesus' servant leadership provides the basis and the model for kingdom leadership. By God's transformative grace, leadership in the church, be it pastors, be it deacons, or any other ministry leader, ought to look like, sound like, and act like the kind of humble, loving, caring, sacrificial leadership modeled by our Savior. And so church, let's pray for healthy church leadership. Let's pray for healthy church leadership in this place, among this body of believers. Let's pray for pastors or elders who love and follow Jesus. And let's pray for deacons who gladly serve, though often unnoticed, supporting the ministries of the church. And let's pray for believers across our church family who joyfully serve one another in the body of of the Lord Jesus Christ because they know the King who shed his own blood to purchase a people called the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh friends, serve one another because Jesus has served you. Serve one another because the Lord Jesus, the King of all kings, the head of the church, the ruler over all, the one who Sustains all things by his powerful word. Let's serve one another because he has served us. You see, the disciples get irritated here with James and John. Rightly so. They get irritated to 
to learn uh, what James and John have asked for. They've asked for special positions. And when they realize their friends want power over sacrifice, they're upset with them. So Jesus gathers all of them together, not just James and John. He gathers all of them together for a lesson on service and sacrifice because greed isn't a James and John problem. It's a human problem. And the only way that it's overcome is by looking to Christ's cross. And so he tells them where he's going. And for us, we hear where he's been. The only way to overcome it is by understanding what this same John of James and John, this same John would later write about when he said in 1 John chapter 4, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the gospel. Dear friends, he says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love, sacrifice, and service That's kingdom leadership. Kingdom leadership is servant leadership. It looks to the example of the Lord Jesus who laid down his life for sinners. Kingdom leaders follow Jesus. Love, sacrifice, and service, that's kingdom leadership. For that's the way in which the king has regarded us. Church, what a good king. To know this king is to love this king. And to love this king is to serve one another in the body of Christ. Serving one another as an expression of our love and our service to the king of all kings. And so, just a moment, David's going to come. He's going to lead us in a, a song that may be familiar to you. It may not be familiar to you, but one that recounts what it means to live lives of service to the king. To bow before the Lord. To lay our lives before Him, to express praise to Him and commitment to Him. And as He does, we're preparing to set aside some of our own for an office of service in the local church. We've talked about kingdom leadership this morning. We've talked about serving the body this morning. And we're going to set aside three deacons, Trey Wilson and Mike Littlefield and Jared Edwards, For this particular task. And so as David comes after I pray and leads us in a hymn, may each of us put our gaze upon Jesus Christ, the servant king. And as we do, I'm going to invite these three men, if they'll come and gather with me down front as we prepare to ordain them to set them aside to this office. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you for this day, for this occasion. God, we thank you for your word that guides us for this day, for this occasion, for life, for life as followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, as we've looked at the word and the example of of Christ, oh God, we pray that you would make each of us more like Christ. God, we pray that your spirit would impress love and care and sacrifice in the body of Christ or toward one another, a care in the body because we know the head of the body because we know Jesus. So guide us to lay our hearts, our lives before you even now as we sing, as we set aside these men 
as official servants in the body of Christ. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.